we are excited over the next few weeks at Homestead to study a book of the Bible that I just love and adore. And it's we're not going to get to all of it. There's 150 chapters. We're not getting to all of it. But over the summer, we want to take a look at Psalms. Every year in the summer, we've uh, picked a book of the Bible and kind of just worked through it. And so this year, we were just thinking that the Psalms, it's just there's so many different aspects of the Psalms that you can relate to. Um, it's a collection of songs. It's, um, it's full of poems and beauty. It covers so many topics. It fill, it's filled with rejoicing and exuberant praise, and it's filled with lament and hardship. And what do you do when you face hard things? It's filled with repentance of, I've totally blown this. It's filled with victory. God, you defended me. God, I overcame this. So we are going to just dig into this over the summer, and we're excited. We're going to have a lot of different people sharing some of their favorite psalms, and so we're excited. So make sure that you check in. Even if you're on vacation, maybe we have some lake people watching today. Um, you can check in and follow along with us. But today as we started, I wanted to start with the most famous psalm of all, and that is Psalm 23. And you probably have heard it. You've probably seen it on a plaque somewhere. Your grandma probably had it embroidered on something in her house because it's one of those psalms that um, is just kind of the heart of that a lot of people know. Maybe even if you know people that aren't people of faith, if they ask, you ask them one scripture that they know, they might say John 3.16 and the portion of Psalm 23. And so this morning, I want us to look at that. Let's just open in prayer and then we're going to dive into a portion of Psalm 23. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Your word is life. It's living and active and filled with everything that we need, God, to face life. And I thank you that as we look at this book, Lord, it is, it is the outpouring of hearts. All across time and space, Lord, the human condition is the same. And we can read people that have struggled. We can read people that have seen you faithfully come in. And, Lord, we just we ask that this morning as we look at your word that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Holy Spirit, illuminate your word so that we would understand the truth of your scripture and that it would get in and it would change us. We want to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you can turn to Psalm 23 if you're interested. Otherwise, the words will be up on the screen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and your love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful passage of scripture. And today I want to just lock in on a couple of those verses. I want to focus on verses two and three, which says this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now that is the NLT version, but many of you probably have learned this in a lot of different versions of the Bible. And I looked up a whole bunch of them. The NIV says he refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. He renews my life. The Good News Version says, he gives me new strength. He restores my strength. And one version even says, he brings back my soul. And so today I want to talk about restoring our souls. 
I love that in this scripture it says that he leads me to a place where he restores my soul. And I don't know about you, but this time of year, my soul feels weary. Anybody relate to that? It's like we got through, we got through the thick of it, and I just feel that little bit of soul tiredness. And Jeff and I will say to each other, like, oh, okay, we've almost made it. It's almost time to get our souls back. That's a, it's verbiage we use around the Kerr house when we're feeling emotionally tired, when we're feeling weary, when we have kind of been running fast for a long time. And maybe you can relate to that today. Maybe your soul feels a little bit tired today. And so we're going to talk about what it means to have God restore our soul, refresh our spirits, renew our minds. So first, let's get a little definition. What is the soul? When it talks about restoring our soul, what is that? Our soul is the deepest part of who we are. It's the deepest part of who we are. And I've been reading this book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg, and he quotes Dallas Willard, who is a great theologian. And he describes the soul in these this way, and I thought this was really wise. We have a little graphic that I'll show you. Our souls are made up of three parts. The center is our will. Our will is the who we are. It's the center of who we are. It's your makeup. It's the place where your motivations live. That's the very center of who you are. Will is what makes people people and not things, right? It's what distinguishes us. We have intent. We have motivations. We have personality. So our will, that's the very center part of who we are. And then outside of that are our mind, which is where our conscious thoughts live. That's our thoughts and our feelings. That is also there. And then we have our bodies, right? giving life and action to our will and our mind, right? Our bodies make it possible for me to do stuff. We can have a will, but if we didn't have a body, nothing would ever happen, right? We can have thoughts, but if we didn't have a body, none of those thoughts would actually materialize. And so we are not just one thing. We're not just our thoughts. We're not just our emotions. We're not just our bodies. We're a combination of all of those things. And so if you look at that next slide, the soul encompasses all three of those things together body, mind, and will. Now, it's not just those three things, but it's the harmony and integration of those three things that make up our souls, right? It's these things working together to create a healthy person is what creates our soul. Dallas Willard says this, your soul is what integrates your will, which is your intentions, your mind, which is your thoughts and feelings, your values and conscious, conscience, and your body, your face, your body language, and your actions into a single person, into a single life. A soul healthy, well-ordered, is when there is harmony between these three entities and God. When you are connected with God and other people in life, you have a healthy soul. I love that definition because sometimes we can just think that, well, I'm just tired in my body. Or I'm just tired emotionally, like I, my mind won't quiet, it's running all the time. Or we can just think that like, ah, I just feel disquieted because my will and my intentions, nothing's working out the way I thought. But I love that, that Willard describes the soul as these three things working together, integrated and healthy. And when we feel our souls not working right, it's when there is a discrepancy between those three things, that they're not working together. Something is out of whack. And I know maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's just something you can't even put your finger on it. Maybe you're like, I'm getting plenty of rest, but I just feel so tired. 
Or maybe it's, I just can't quite seem to get my body to do what my intentions want to do, and I'm really frustrated. There's a discrepancy between those three things. That, that is what our soul is. Maybe your mind is anxious. Maybe your will feels stuck, and it doesn't feel fulfilled. You can't make your feelings and your body activate the intentions to do what you want to do. All of those things mean that our soul is out of whack. Our souls can become broken, sick, and tired, and those three things can become separated, and they're not working together. It's more than just a tired body. It's more than just an overwhelmed mind. It's more than just a lack of fulfillment and direction in our life. Our souls need to be restored and put back into alignment again. And I love more than anything in the world that God put this passage of Scripture in here. Because God restores souls. He restores souls. He doesn't just restore bodies. He doesn't just restore minds. He doesn't just restore wills. He takes all of the pieces of who we are and he makes them work together to create healthy people. God restores souls. And the fact that he put this verse right there in the smack in the Psalms implies that he knows our souls will need restoring. That there will come times in your life where everything will get out of whack. That living life and living as a human on this earth with sin and all kinds of things, that there will come a time that your soul will need restoring. And God is saying, hey, when that happens, I will be there to restore your soul. The natural rhythm of the human experience is hard and exhausting. And God understands that. Our souls get tired. Our wills get disappointed when life did not work out the way we had planned. We maybe, you thought you were going this direction and everything has gone over here. And ever since that turn happened, you have felt out of whack. And you know that everything is not working well together. Something is out of alignment. Our minds get weary. And our bodies get weak and worn down. And this passage of scripture reminds us that we are to take notice of this. We're to be mindful of the disconnect. And more than that, we are to be mindful that God knows and God sees and God cares that your soul needs repair. As I get older, the thing that I guard probably more than anything else in my spiritual life is my picture of God and who he is in my mind. <clears throat> Wrong images of God will wreak havoc on your faith. If you have a picture of God as an unloving taskmaster who's just like, come on, I got work for you to do. Let's go. What's next? What's next? Okay, now I want you here. I want you doing that. Now I got you here doing that. Um, if he's unforgiving, if, he's un if he doesn't care about you as a person, he just wants to use you for all the things that he has, that is really, really important to take mind of because that is an inaccurate picture of God. And I think a lot of us have that picture of God like he's got work for us to do. He's got things for us to do. Let's get to it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. God wants me to do this. God has this for my plan. And you can start to creep in this idea that God just wants to use us for all the things that he needs done on the earth. And yet that couldn't be further from the truth. God cares about the state of your soul. He cares when you're weary and tired. He's compassion on us. He loves us. And so getting this picture right 
is a really important picture in how you view God. God cares about the state of your soul. Not just that you're saved, but that you're well. He cares about your soul. He understands that you get tired. He's not standing on the sidelines berating you for being weary. He's not cracking the whip, trying to get you to run faster and do more when your soul is screaming out that it needs rest. And if you have any of the above pictures of him in your head, I want to be, you to hear very clearly today what this passage of Scripture is saying, that he tenderly cares for those whose souls are weary. Alicia Bricholi is one of my favorite authors, and she says, Jesus' leadership is benevolent. He never breaks our backs for his benefit or profit. God never breaks our back for his benefit or profit. God cares about your soul. It reminds me of one of my favorite passages of Scripture, which is found in Isaiah 42.3. It says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. This is a scripture that is prophesying about Jesus and what he will be like. And I love that. What does this verse mean? God does not throw out weak things. God does not throw out broken things. Yesterday I was planting flowers. I got all my plants and I was so excited and I sat out and sure enough, you know, as I was, you know, getting everything from the car to the house, whatever, there were plenty of plants that just had Ends of the flowers that had broken off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, shoot, I broke, I slammed that in the trunk, I think, maybe. And there were parts of it that were broken. What did I do to those pieces? Just, what'd you say? Throw them out. That's right. This is broken. This is never going to get fixed. So we just break it off and we throw it out. So this scripture is talking about a weak reed. Other versions say a bruised reed. They would be reeds that would have been broken off. Somebody had stepped on it and it would just be, well, this is broken. Let's just throw it out. And yet that's not what Christ does. In contrast to that, my neighbor had, I don't know what happened. He has a tree in his backyard that one of the, one of the branches fell off. And probably for the last two years, I've watched him out there. He's got all these little straps. He's got it all tied together. And he's got different pieces. And he is restoring that branch. And I would think, well, shouldn't you just cut it off? Like, isn't it dead? But he is doing the hard work of regrafting that branch into that tree. And it hasn't been fast. It has been a long process of nurturing it and healing it and holding it up and putting it around so that it can be restored and healed into the life of the tree. That's what this verse is talking about. God doesn't just cut off people when they're broken and weak and hurting. He comes and he lovingly fixes them. In the same part of that verse, it says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. I love other versions of that say a smoldering wick. And it's the idea of when a fire is not quite ready to go. Maybe you've already had a campfire or you're getting ready to start one in your backyard over the weekend. And you know when it's just all smoke, no fire. It's like the wood is wet or something's going on and it's just everybody know what I'm talking about? I was thinking about this for a number of years. I, I worked with girls' ministries, and the thing that I inherited when I took this job was a campout. Like, in tents, I had to take girls into the wilderness and camp with them. Let's just be clear. I am an indoor girl. This was not I, something I realized. And so every fall, we would take a couple hundred girls out into the woods and set up tents. Well, what you need to do when you have to do things like that is bring a friend. And so I brought Brandy Watkinson with me because... 
I decided my last year that I had this job that instead of sleeping in the quarters that they had for the leaders, that I was going to sleep out in a tent just like the girls did. I was going to have a little outdoor adventure and sleep out in a tent, which was horrendous and horrible, and I never want to do it again. But what made me think of Brandy in this story is it was cold and wet and rainy and we needed a fire because they all cook their food out there. So I was like, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. They cook all of their meals on an open fire. And I was, I could not get a fire to light. I kept like throwing matches on. I'm like, why won't it light? I don't know. It won't light. And so Brandy walks over and she starts gathering little twigs and little leaves and she put, gets it all there and she starts playing around with it. And, and then she lights it and then she sits there and blows on it and blows on it and then she protects it and then she waves paper on it. And I'm like, can we get some lighter fluid? Is there lighter fluid anywhere or can we just sneak out and not tell anybody that we left and went to McDonald's? And Yet she had all the patience in the world to just sit with this fire that was just not producing anything. There was no heat. There was no flame. It was worthless. It was done. And yet with a little love, with a little care, all of a sudden, it came to life. And then it grew. And we kept that thing alive for a long time because we didn't want to have to start it again. He does not crush the weakest reed or put out a smoldering wick. And some of you feel like you are just the smoke. And you think, it has felt like a long time since I felt like there was actually fire and flame. And your vision of God is that he's like, enough already. I am tired of your mess. Could you get it together? And yet, he does not put out a smoldering wick. And he does not break off a broken reed. God is ready to slowly and carefully and lovingly restore your soul, your body, your mind, your will, and the integration of those three things together. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful God we have. He cares. He really does. He cares about all those things. So what does that look like? How does God restore our souls? So I want to look at verse 2 today, and I have three points for you, and then we're going to let you get on with your weekend. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. So number one, God knows how to restore your soul. God knows how to restore your soul. What does it say in that scripture? He makes me lie down. He leads me to quiet waters. Nothing else is going to restore your soul other than God. He, this is where so many of us get it wrong because we feel that emptiness. We feel that disjoint. We feel like something's wrong. Something's not working right. And so we try and figure it out for ourselves and think, I'm going to figure out how to get myself feeling better. And so what do we do? We numb. We numb things. We, we start uh, ad- with substances, addictions, relationships. Maybe, I just, maybe if this relationship was better, I would feel better. We go for success. We work harder. We try and establish more things. We accumulate. And all of that is just trying to numb this thing that my soul feels broken. And we're just band-aiding the thing up over and over and over again. Or other times we just ignore it. We feel the cracks. We feel it, that something's not quite right, and we just ignore it. We just run faster. We go harder. When that thing pops up in our mind, we just kind of push it to the side and think, I'll deal with that later. I'm going to just keep going. Eventually, it's going to just go away. We hear the gentle whisper of God like, no, come and rest. I, I know how to restore your soul. And we're like, I don't have time for that. 
I'll get to that later. We keep pushing and pushing and numbing and numbing, and pretty soon the whole thing gives out. Because hear me now, your soul needs to be restored or it is going to come out sideways somewhere else. Lives implode when we don't listen to our souls. For me, it always usually starts coming out physically. I get sick. I can't think. My brain feels foggy. I'm just like something isn't right. Like I can't quite get anything to work the way I need to work. I get to work and just stare at my computer like, what is I doing? What am I doing? Maybe it comes out in you're irritable. Maybe it comes out in you're just lethargic. Maybe it's coming out however it's coming out. Your soul is trying to tell you something, and you need to listen to it. So remember, God is the source to restore your soul, and he is the only source to restore your soul. Many of us try and fix the problem ourselves. We think, well, I just, I just need a vacation. I'm just going to watch some Netflix. Surely that will fix it. And we try and just fix it ourselves. And the truth is we don't know. When we talk about the integration of the body, mind, soul, I would have no idea where to begin to get all those pieces working together. I might know that my body needs rest, but how in the world, what does my mind need in order to gain rest? What, is my, what does my will need? Like, where am I disappointed? God will lead you through those processes if you trust him. God knows how to fix it. Don't fry, try and fix a soul issue with a human solution. It won't work. Psalm 42 says that deep cries out to deep. The deep places of us need the deep places of God to come and say, okay, I'm going to walk you through this. Let me show you the way. So let God lead you. Where is he taking you? What is he asking of you? He actively bestows care on you. He will lead you into the right place. So you have to listen and then obey with whatever he asks you to do. Psalm 19.7 says, the instructions are the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. So today, I need you to picture God literally coming and taking you by the hand and walking you to a place that is going to replenish and restore you. Literally, come on. We're going to go over here for a minute because your soul needs a little care. You, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows where the cracks are, and he knows exactly how to pour back into your soul the very thing that it needs. So I want you to ask God this question over this long weekend. Looking at the next few months where most of us have a little more margin, I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I need to do in the next days, weeks, and months in order to rest my soul? God, I'm asking you to show me. What do I need to do? It could be a vacation. It could be a counselor to help you work through something. He could ask you to do something that you have not been wanting to do. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's reconciliation in a relationship. Maybe it's letting go of something. Maybe he's going to ask you to stop doing something. That extra job, it's time for you to let that go. Whatever it is, ask him to lead you to the quiet waters that will restore your soul and then listen to what he says. So number one, God knows how to restore your soul. Number two, green pastures and still waters. This is important. Soul care happens in quiet places. I know we all like to just like, I'm going to do it on the way to work. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take care of it in the midst of my busy life. No, no, no. He leads me into green pastures. He leads me to still waters. There's a reason that there is this imagery there. I did a little studying on this because I've never been a shepherd. And apparently, sheep only drink out of still water. So the shepherd seeks out peaceful streams for his flock, not rivers, not streams, not moving water. And the reason is that they are weak, and if they get too close to moving water, they just go in and whoop and get swept away. And so the shepherd takes the time to find water that is not moving because they're vulnerable. And so he finds still water, water that is just sitting, not, not gross stagnant water, but water that is still. And we have to do the same thing. Green pastures imply a place where there's ample grass to lie down and rest, as well as food to strengthen the body. God has a quiet place for you to rest. And you're going to have to step into quietness in order to find restoration. It does not happen on the go. You're going to have to purposely find quiet places. Now, that, does that mean you have to quit your job and move to a commune? No, you do not. I mean, some days it sounds pretty good. I don't know. But you have to make space in your life for God to do some repair. If you know you need it, you have to make the space for it. I remember, I don't know, a number of years ago, before we even started Homestead, I remember it was after a really, really, really busy season. And I really felt like the Lord speak to me like, you need a significant time of rest. And so it wasn't even, I think it was a September that I said, okay, in September, when September 1st hits, I'm going to take four weeks from September to October, and I'm going to practice quietness, and fasting, and all kinds of things. I just felt like the Lord was like, just come away. I just need you to just step away. Now, obviously, my children needed to be fed, and I had work to do, but I stepped away from that month from extra stuff. I remember I took all social media off of my phone. I I didn't look at it for a month. I said no to any extra things. I was purposeful about quieting my space and letting God speak to me. I didn't turn the radio on in my car. I didn't fill the noise. You know, sometimes you're just sitting there, you just turn the TV on and wait. I was very mindful about just sitting and listening. I'd have my Bible and my journal out. I went for a lot of walks. I was just, I didn't go anywhere. It wasn't like I left my life, but I created the space in my life for 30 days for God to speak. And he did. And he took me to places of scripture and he showed me places that I was dealing with unforgiveness and disappointment. He showed me some things that he had for me for the future that helped my will, that part of me that needed to know, God, do you have a plan for my life? He spoke to those places. And I just had to quiet myself enough to create the space for that restoration to happen. I don't know if it would have happened if I hadn't been mindful about creating a quiet place. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know what that looks like for your life. But is there something that God is saying, I need you to create space for me to restore your soul? Let me ask you this question. What would green pastures and quiet waters look like for you? If your soul is weary, then let God lead you into a season of rest. Even you think your soul feels fine, let's be clear, good maintenance is good for our souls. You might not be to the place where you're like, I got to just, whoa, I'm falling apart. But all of us need that daily, weekly, 
quarterly rest for our souls so that we can make sure that everything is working and integrated. And that means honoring a Sabbath, taking time weekly to rest. It means daily time with the Lord for reflection, making sure that there's time in your days that you're sitting and letting God speak to you. You know, I am really try and be very disciplined about starting my morning, even if it's just a few minutes, even if I wake up late to just sit there and read the scriptures so that God has a chance to say, hey, this. And he does. Some mornings it's so fast and I'll wake up and I'll, and I'll have a word from something that God will show me or a rebuke. You did not handle that well yesterday. Today you're going to need to make a phone call and fix that. I'm like, oh, I know, okay, you got to go. But there is a daily prescribed time for me to meet with God. What I'm saying is what does that look like for your life? Creating places that God can speak to you, not going long stretches before you even stop to listen, but letting God restore your soul daily. If your soul needs restoring, let him lead you to still waters. Being purposeful about something to refresh your will. Maybe it's dreaming for the future. Maybe it's something to refresh your mind. Maybe it's a counselor or books or introspection or sitting with a friend that really can help you process some things you're going through. And something to refresh your body. Maybe you do just need a whole lot of naps this summer. Be released. Nap in Jesus' name. Okay? What do you need to do in order to replenish your body, mind, and soul? I see that right there. She's like, he just says, Patty, see? Pastor said I have to take a nap. Okay. God leads us to green pastures and still waters. And one final thing I want to talk about. Don't be afraid of resting. Don't be afraid of resting. Many of us struggle with letting God lead us to green pastures and still waters because we don't think we can afford the time and energy for soul care. We're like, um, that sounds really nice. But guess what? There's a whole lot of things to do. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. I have to do this extra thing. I have to do this job. This needs me. That needs me. That needs me. And we have all of these balls in the air that we're juggling. And we're like, I cannot stop or they're all going to come crashing down. Am I the only person that feels like that? Oh, okay, good. You, none of you raised your hand. You left me hanging there, everybody. Anybody else feel like all the balls are in the air? And if you stop, it's all going to fall apart. Okay, this is what the Lord keeps saying to me every time I say that to him. It's a psalm, 16, verse 5. This is what uh, the psalmist was saying. You guard all that is mine. Okay, God, you guard all that is mine. If God is leading you into a season of rest, God is going to take care of all the things. He's going to take care of your people. He's going to take care of your finances. He's going to take care of all your responsibilities. He is going to guard all that is yours. So imagine with me. We have that picture now of Jesus grabbing your hand and saying, I need to lead you into quiet waters. I want you to imagine him leading over here, and then you've got all your piles of stuff you got the job and the kids and the work and all of the responsibilities. And I want you to imagine him going like, I'm going to watch your stuff. Hey, all your stuff over here, I got it. I got it. I'm going to watch your stuff while you go do that. I will guard all that's yours. That is what I said. Even last night I was lying in bed and I started like, <gasps> and I woke up like, oh, I need to da, da, da. And I just said, oh, Lord, you're guarding all that's mine. You've asked me to rest. And so I'm going to trust that you're going to just, you're just going to hold it. You're going to take care of it. Nothing's going to fall apart. That if you're asking me to do this, that, Lord, you're going to guard it. You're going to take care of it. I want you to picture that, that God, what an incredible relief 
that you don't have to talk yourself out of rest because God, if God is leading you, then he's going to guard all that is yours. He's going to guard your stuff. 2 Timothy 1.12 is another verse that I often say to myself, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. I am convinced that he is able to handle my stuff, that he is able to guard that which has been entrusted to me. And I have a really strong Midwest work ethic, man. I come from a long line of farmers. We don't sit down very easily. We like to work. We like to work hard. And there's something in us that says, but this has been entrusted to me. I need to make sure I take care of it. But I say this verse to myself all the time. I know in whom I believe, and I am convinced that he will guard what's been entrusted to me. It's not all on my shoulders. I can trust God that he will take care of what is in front of me if I follow his leading. God will guard your people. Trust where he's leading you. He restores my soul. Literally, if we look at the actual literal literal translation of that line, it means he causes my life to return. He causes my life to return. God calls us to green pastures and still waters so you can get your life back. You can be fully integrated. You can be healthy and whole, operating body, mind, soul without any lack of integration. All of those things working together. I want to close today by reading this whole psalm again, but in the message translation. I want you to just close your eyes as I, as I finish today, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 23, God is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. For you have bedded me down in lush meadows, and you find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. And you send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk by my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, and my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't even know how to respond to the beauty that is that you care for my soul. Lord, what an amazing God you are, that you care about how we're doing. You care about the places that feel weary and broken. And Lord, we recognize that today there are people that it's just been a, it's been a, a long year. They're tired. They're just ready for some refreshment. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will guide them into rest. Lord, that they will trust you to take care of all that's theirs and that they would just let you lead them into whatever the place is that you have rest for their souls, body, mind, and will. And Lord, I want to take a second and I want to speak to the place, places in people's lives that have felt like their souls have been cracked for a long time. God, this is more than just, it's almost summer, but 
There are places of disappointment and heartache that have felt cracked, and they haven't felt quite right for a long time. I thank you, Lord, that you lead us to still waters and to green pastures so that you can revive and restore our souls. And you can give us passion back. You can give us vision back. You can give us energy back. Lord, you know every answer for every body, Father, that has been struggling. You know every answer. You know the path to health. Lord, for every mind that has been weighed down and anxious and they can't figure out a solution, you know every solution. And Lord, if we quiet ourselves long enough, you will show us the way. And Lord, for every will that feels disappointed and discouraged and tossed aside in Jesus' name, I thank you that you have plans and purposes. And that, Lord, you have the way out for all of those things to begin working together again for a healthy life. So, Lord, I pray that you would lead with grace and love. Thank you for being such a good father to us. We trust you, and we'll go where you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.